1: so Trish I think I'm going to sue you
0: (laughs) you (laughs) haven't taken some of my advice
1: have you because I've told (laughs) you to do that yes I have because you really are quite wise and sensible (laughs) I went out and bought a memory pillow memory foam pillow right that's it a memory foam pillow. yeah but I've got look I can barely move my (laughs) head right (laughs) It's done the opposite for me um, that it did to you, and it doesn't work. And I can only assume that it is filled with very bad memories. <laughs> is that what a memory <laughs> pillow is? And it's given you a pain in the neck? It's given me an, an absolute... Yes, you <laughs> have become my pain in the neck. I blame you <laughs> entirely. That's it fine. It did make me remember that story of a colleague of ours who once told us about when she weighed her head, because I think maybe my head's too heavy for the pillow. <laughs> She, do you remember? Was that, that possible? Yes. Yeah, she was. She wanted to lose weight, mm. and she just never lost weight. And she assumed it's because her because head her was head. exceptionally heavy. That's what I think is happening with this memory pillow. Anyway, I'm not going to deal with okay. it. Okay. Well, anymore. just
2: we'll we'll talk about it later. Okay. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Postcards from
1: Midlife. I'm Trish Halpin. And I'm Lorraine Candy. And we're on a mission to help you make the most of your magnificent midlife. We'll be tackling everything from mind and body wellness to HRT and your sex drive. Trish and I are here to help you have a stylish second act and answer all your midlife questions on fashion, beauty, careers, relationships, family, and as always, the challenges and joys of parenting teens. It's a brand spanking new year, so Trish and I are going to be talking about all the things that we're looking forward to in 2021, and we're going to put a positive spin on everything because our midlife word this week is optimism. Trish, how many optimists does it take to change a light bulb?
2: I have no idea.
1: none because they can always see the light in the darkness
2: oh see? I like that you can, can tell like that one this. at the next dinner party yeah I'm going to like this optimism chat I think it's going to be good but we're also going to have everybody glowing with positivity after our chat with Chinese medicine practitioner Katie Brindle who is the founder of the Heyu Method and Hey You Fit Katie has built it has to be said a cult following by making ancient self-care rituals for face body and spirit accessible for modern
1: home use through her brilliant Instagram videos and virtual clinics. And in How to Win at Midlife, we'll be talking about the health checks every woman should have on her 2021 to-do list. And we'll also be discussing how to cope when your teens start asking to have bits of metal pierced all over their lovely faces and bodies in our what would you do section. And talking of positive things, Lorraine, we've had some really nice comments on our Facebook
2: group, lovely posts, as well as some really good reviews on the podcast providers. We love it when people do rate and review us. But I wanted to read this one out. 'Cause it's so nice and it's from somebody called Carolyn and she says, I'm thirty eight and get so much from this podcast. Trish and Lorraine's friendship, humour and years of editorial experience shine through so refreshing in a world where any old person can call themselves a podcaster. Oh, and,
1: that's lovely. Uh, I love that because obviously she's been very nice about us. But I love the fact that she's thirty eight as well. Yeah. Well you do have to prepare, don't you? Mm. That's partly the point of the podcast is to make younger women think mm. about what's coming so they can have a truly magnificent midlife exactly. like you and me trish indeed <laughs> right lorraine
2: it's jibber jabber time did you know that optimists sleep better have fewer strokes and live longer than pessimists so midlife seems like a good time to embrace optimism and positive thinking which is what i'm thinking right now uh, where do you sit on the glass half full glass half empty scale
1: well i like to call myself a big optimist and a small pessimist okay. so if i drop my toast i always assume it's going to land jam marmite side down mhm if i buy a lottery ticket I absolutely assume I'm going to win.
2: Me too. Every weekend, every weekend. I'm planning what I'm going to buy.
1: I'm big on the big optimism. I just Mm. think that the good is going to happen always. And I think that makes, sometimes you feel a bit gullible believing that, but I think it means you're tilted in the direction of something positive happening. Um, I think optimism is, at this stage of life, is a little bit about the bounce back Mm -hmm. factor. If you're slightly pessimistic, And you're younger. I think it takes a while to bounce back. But I think when you're Mm -hmm. in midlife, you have the wisdom that's happened. Mm -hmm. And you've seen reactions and things have happened before. You've got that experience. So you kind of bounce back a bit. Um, I was listening to a Matthew McConaughey interview on Rangan Chatterjee's uh, podcast. And you couldn't look at him, but you could hear him. I could still hear (laughs) his lovely Southern American accent. Mm -hmm. And he was saying something. And I'm going to do one of my spectacular name drops. Again, which uh Oprah Winfrey told me as well yes. <laughs> in person on stage, I may add. Anyway, find your frequency. Do Ooh. not be thrown off by other people. If you are optimistically hoping something's going to happen, you're positively tilted in the direction of it happening, and someone else says that's not going to happen, or why don't you do this? It would be better for you or better for your business. Mm -hmm. I think when you get to midlife, you find your frequency and you think Mm -hmm. these, this is my value. This is my happiness. This is what I believe I choose to see. The good mm-hmm. side of it, and I think mm-hmm. you can train yourself to be. You can do. Apparently, you, you can
2: train yourself to be more optimistic. And did you know there's actually a test you, you can do to see where you are in terms of optimistic, pessimistic, and it can kind of help you then take steps to improve your optimism. It's and not, it's not an, to, an IQ test. It's I mean, not. <laughs> It's called Stupid. the Life Orientation Test. And um, it's actually kind of a really simple question. Do you think, oh gosh, that's really obvious. Um, but on, it's kind of, one. well, it's statements about how we feel about ourselves and others and life in general and how we feel about it when we're under stress and how we feel about it when we're kind of un- during happy times. But it kind of gives you a score and it kind of shows you where you are. I have to say, I have, I'm laughing here, but I haven't actually done it. But I think we, maybe we should both do this. We should do it, teams. yeah. But it is that thing, if you you can't be positive and optimistic all the time, can you? Because you have to yeah. have some sort of stoicism in order to kind of deal with some of the crap that is going to happen in life. But generally, you kind of want to absolutely veer yeah. towards the optimistic and, and the positive thinking. And there's things that, um, I mean, these are corny things, and I know you're going to roll your eyes, but things that finding the good things in the day. So you might be having a shit day, but something good will happen. And it's trying to kind of, at the end of the day, mm. look at
1: that. And I know people like these gratitude journals where you write down, Well, that's what Matthew McConaughey was saying, actually. he did. This is the brilliance. Matthew agrees with you. Mm. The brilliance of it is, as when he kept a diary, which he kept every day since he was 14, at the times in his life when he was really, really happy, very successful, everything going brilliantly, he still kept the diary, even though Mm -hmm. he thought, oh, I've got nothing to write, nothing to worry about. And at the times when he was really down... He yeah. looked back at the diary oh. from the times he was successful. So you could call that a gratitude diary. Yeah,
2: yeah, I think yeah. you could. I'm going to call it that. But the, the other thing, and I think... my I in your diary? Of, every day, <laughs> I, I give praise and gratitude for having you in my life. But it's, it's true that yeah. you do... <laughs> You need positive people in your life, optimistic people in your life. And yeah. again, midlife, time to get rid of the drainers, you know, the people who really drain you, the pessimistic people, because that is going to have an effect on your positivity and your outlook in life. And I, I start my day with a very positive person. And do you remember I've talked to you about Joanna? Neil, Hughes? are we talking well, about? Obviously Neil. Oh,
1: good. <laughs> He's That's actually very else. positive.
2: Found. <laughs> I found somebody on online that gives me a little boost every morning. Oh you know, um, Joanna Hall, Walk Active, which I've mentioned before. Yes, Trish. She... <laughs> I do one of her, when I get up in the morning, I do one of her little sort of mobility, stretchy flow routines. And she's so smiley and happy and energetic and, you know, all of this. Annoying. Yeah, no, never, (laughs) never annoying. I mean, I might start sometimes by thinking, oh God, here we go. But actually by the end of it, I am smiling along with
1: her and we're, (laughs) Yeah, hugging out the love and doing all this sort of thing it's a really nice way to start the day i read a lot of books by the this will make you laugh actually mm. the antarctic explorers scott Ooh. and all because Ooh. and there's a book by the man that collected all the penguin eggs bear with me i'm going somewhere uh, with this, this. Is very unexpected. Um, unexpected Absolutely, cherry gerald or some posh name like that anyway it's Mm -hmm. called the worst journey in the world and it's just this relentless optimism when it looked like they were all going to die in the snow that they he would get up and just think today's the day we we get found or today's the day we can get back today's the day we don't die it was just it's just relentless optimism in the worst possible circumstances and I think if you think people can go through that even the tiny bits of your day Mm. (laughs) that are Bit of a struggle in comparison. They're not now Michael J. Fox has written a brilliant book, mm. actually. He's been suffering with Parkinson's, and it's called Always Look Up. And it's really good on optimism um, and taking the positive view. And also, um, there's a man called Martin Seligman who does quite a lot of TED talks and he's written various books about optimism. He's quite useful, I found. Mm-hmm. And also, this, you won't like this, this is <laughs> not normally me. The the Taoism. Oh. Of, winnie, of winnie the pooh <laughs> oh bless yes. i mention yeah, it yeah. because we're doing chinese medicine today but that makes me feel quite nice. yeah and dr seuss obviously that's
2: well yeah yeah well i think given all of that uh given the crappy year we've had last year i find think your frequency 2021 we're going to be finding our frequency and we know it's all going to come good this year
0: yay <laughs>
1: Now it's time to introduce this week's special guest, Katie Brindle. Katie is a Chinese medicine practitioner, author and founder of the Heiyu Method and Heiyu Fit, which has brought the ancient art of gua sha face massage to the nation. And in 2020, her daily Qigong fitness videos were a lockdown hit. Katie has clinics in Somerset and London, and she's married and a mother to 11-year-old twins. So welcome to Postcards from Midlife, Katie. Thank you very much. Now, your journey to becoming a practitioner of Chinese medicine began after a car accident and you were set to become an opera singer, weren't you? Can you take the listener back and tell us what happened and how it all started?
3: I was quite a competitive school and had very severe dyslexia, which back in the seventies was fairly undiagnosed. And so you were just sort of cast aside as relatively stupid. And uh, singing was just something that I happened to be good at. It was like a life raft and I grabbed it. And it became my identity. So really throughout the whole of my childhood, my school years, it was just what I did and it's what I did well. So I focused on it and was kind of planning my way to go off to, to music college and had this awful car accident. So that was totally not the end of that. And it totally exhausted every aspect of my health because I lost my... How old were you then? I was about 22 by the time this happened so I'd done a degree in modern languages at the time and I was just sort of in that gap point where I was just training my voice to sort of go off to music college and then this accident happened and that really was the end of my purpose, my identity. I was in agony. That was really the the sort of the end of that ambition in my life. So it left me feeling rather destitute. I guess you were using traditional
1: medicine to recover from the pain. How did you discover this kind of alternative, the Chinese
3: medicine? Well, it was basically a very severe whiplash injury. But because the whiplash affected the back of my neck, that was where the vocal cords attached in a specific way, which, given that I'd been very highly trained, was just really detrimental. It just meant my singing just completely stopped, and then I was in agony because it was agony. And then I did what most people do, which is you sort of go from pillar to post, trying to find someone to fix you. And that was an eight-year process, which was never resolved. And I think, like a lot of people, you just eventually sort of learn to live with it, which is what's what so exhausting many... for
1: your whole twenties, though, isn't it? That no, it was awful. Been I, mean, awful
3: I mean, you know, you. Just, but it taught me an, an awful lot, and then. What Happened was when I was in my late 20s, I was about 28 at this point. Of all places, I was walking up the Edgeware High Street. I seriously remember the day, and I was with my mother, and I was walking. Passed one of those Chinese places that said 10 minutes of massage for 10 pounds. And I was in such agony. It was throbbing. I was, oh gosh. And I was like, oh, do you know what? I just need someone to just do something. I don't even care what it is. This is so bad. And I went in and it was happened to be a very experienced Chinese doctor in that particular clinic. And he did this technique called Gua Sha, which is this press stroking with a tool across the area. And it was just like an instant transformation. I couldn't believe it. I was actually sort of crying with relief and frustration and excitement and just literally every single emotion all rolled into one and I I came out 10 minutes later like like Eureka you know running down the running down Edgeware High Street with this gouache all going oh my god I found the solution I just thought right I'm changing my life what is this incredible medicine that I had no idea about. I thought I'd tried everything. I hadn't tried this. That was the beginning of the rest Mm -hmm. of my life. So the massage is is
2: one element of it, obviously, but it's a huge body of of medicine, isn't it? Explain to us what
3: Chinese medicine is, exactly. What Chinese medicine is not is acupuncture and herbs, which is what people think it is. Mm. When, when I say I'm a Chinese medicine practitioner, they go, oh, do you do acupuncture and herbs? The point of Chinese medicine is it's, it's the oldest legacy of natural medicine that we have in this world today, of which acupuncture and herbs are two huge great component parts, of course. But actually the first sort of pillar of Chinese medicine is self-care. It evolved over thousands of years. Some of the oldest records of it are indeed 5,000 years old and that they were intact. So that meant that things were going on, of course, previous to that. Massage is part of it, you know, acupuncture, herbs, tui na, qigong, all of the dietary therapy, all of these things come out of Chinese medicine. But the first pillar is what suddenly hit the zeitgeist right now, because we're suddenly looking to our past going, well, hang on, what have we been doing to look after ourselves? Mm -hmm. Um, And self-care is indeed one of the hugest legacies that Chinese medicine can give us. What you mean really, in a way, with self-care is preventative care, because we tend to,
1: Western medicine treats the symptoms Uh, and the problem doesn't. And Chinese medicine is preventing that occurring in the first place. It's really looking after yourself before you get to that point, isn't it? A lot of it.
3: In my opinion, when Chinese medicine is allowed to sing through, the first step is like dental health, is prevention, is brush your teeth. Yes. And then yeah. same thing with our health, prevent the disease from manifesting in the first place. There are many ways to then address symptoms once they cause. And of course, we've inherited a Western culture. So always consult a Western diagnosis whenever you've got a named symptom. But The area that I've really focused on is indeed that preventative space. I've been talking about it for about 10 years. And and interestingly, even with the tools that I launched, it was the face tool that got me recognized, not the body tool. And yet body Mm. gua sha is the absolute king of kings of preventative health. I mean, body gua sha has been used for thousands of years to treat five major human conditions, which is pain, strengthen the immune system, heat, or what we would largely translate as inflammation, coughs and fever. Just by rubbing a rounded edged tool in the correct way of your body, that's what you can gain. I mean, it's, it's basically a self-care no brainer mm-hmm. and it's free because you can use a jam jar lid. Mm -hmm. so you can do
2: it yourself yeah (laughs) and and in terms of the actual becoming a qualified chinese practitioner i'm assuming there's quite a a long education process with qualifications
3: that you have to do as it stands at the moment you have to do a degree in acupuncture then there's lots of add-ons that you can do to embellish that so i didn't do that to start with the very first thing i did because this was ages ago now i mean i'm you know i'm nearly 50 so um, and this all happened when I was started when I was twenty eight. So, and I had a mortgage to pay. You know, Chinese medicine was really niche. You know, I think I'm quite a well-educated, evolved person, and I didn't really know much about it. And mm-hmm. it was just a random act of, of fate that that led me into it. So I thought, right, I've got to pay my way. I've got to earn a living doing this that I believe in. But the market's not really there. So I thought, right, well, I'll learn massage therapy because mm-hmm. I thought, well. Everyone likes Their market's it. There. it was an interesting moment in history where even then which is the sort of you know the, the beginnings of the 21st century that basically sexuality and sensuality mm-hmm. were highly mishmashed between the two of them and, mm-hmm. and I didn't even really appreciate until that day that that amazing doctor got his hands on my pain that actually massage was indeed a remedial therapy I just mm-hmm. thought off to chaplain's and have a bit of a massage and then go and have a wrap and then out you come out you know it was a total light bulb so i went off and learnt conventional massage with a with the most amazing lady called claire maxwell hudson who's arguably the leading western masseuse um, she's mm-hmm. quite incredible. but this doctor taught me a chinese massage at the time called tui na, which which was it's a bit like shiatsu um so i then I did that alongside it. Then I added in reflexology. Then I added in a whole load of other things, finally qualifying as a Chinese acupuncturist and then progressing into all of the aspects of self-care that Mm -hmm. I now do. But a lot of the self-care stuff, it's not, there's not a a qualification because no. it's not even a thing. It's only just become a thing because we're talking about it. You oh. created
2: something called the Hey You Method.
3: Yeah. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah. Um, so the idea was after all these years of working and paying my mortgage um, one day I sat in clinic I'm now qualified acupuncturist and yet another person had been and gone and I sat there and I thought this is ridiculous. I thought I really don't like the fact that, as an alternative practitioner, I have to charge. Okay, we have inherited a great privilege in our country of a free healthcare system, and it is a huge privilege to have access. But the problem, as a as an Eastern practitioner, is I have to charge. Okay, and I understand why, but that immediately means that swathes of the population are not in a position to pay 50 to 100 or even 200 pounds an hour for my services. So. I wanted to basically get this information to a wider audience, which was why I wanted to focus on self-care. So the other thing that I'd observed in my years in clinic was that the people who adopted my self-care practices that I would recommend would get better so much more quickly than those that just rocked up each week and expected me to just acupuncture them and then they go away again. So I created the method because the idea is, hey, you, as in you do it, let me help you do it let me give you the education and the tools for you to do it for yourself and the reason it's spelt the way it is is because in mandarin how h-a-o means well or good it's me distilling what i know to be true what i know to be brilliant but bringing it to the western audience in a way that makes sense that's easy to do and that is as effective as brushing your teeth because you
1: do that on instagram and on your website and various retail places where you're stopped
3: oh i do it everywhere now it's ridiculous i mean (laughs) the singer has become a talker (laughs) i think the idea is to really get this information out to people in any which way they're prepared to receive it so whether that's in a jade crystal for beauty or i'm dressing up in a fancy dress for a disco qigong class on a saturday night on instagram it doesn't matter as long as i get e-message across to how to look after yourself, which I give and deliver for free very happily, then I don't mind what I do to subject myself or anyone else to. As long as I get the message across, it's fine.
1: We are here to talk about midlife and women in menopause and perimenopause. So how does Chinese medicine view that part of a woman's life and all the recognised symptoms that come with your oestrogen decreasing as you get older and and all your hormones decreasing.
3: Well, it's really interesting because traditionally and originally Chinese medicine was from the matriarch. It then became patriarchal like everything has. And the idea of the menopause is that It is that transition in traditional culture. Modern culture has only been around for a very short period of time. Traditionally, if a woman was actually getting to 45 or 50, she would become a wise elder. That's the first thing to say, because she would have experienced life and was still alive. If a woman had survived childbirth, war, famines, droughts, I mean, you know, natural life, natural occurrences, and had actually lived to tell the tale, then she would be considered a wise elder of the tribe. The problem that I think we've got in the West is a a perception issue that you're kind of on the sexual slag heap of kind of, you're no longer fertile, you're no longer shaggable. We inherited what we were told was equal, which in fact wasn't, but we are making it equal. What we did was we entered into the workforce, which has been created by the male energy, which is Yang, because men worked, women stayed at home. And in our lifetimes that changed, okay? So what then has happened is that we have paid a biological price for our equality. I'm glad we have, but we have. What then happens is the stress and the pace of the life that we've had to enter into has had an extraordinary toll on our bodies. Why? Because what happens is this life creates heat because it's frenetic. Now heat naturally has to, the body has to expel heat. How does it do that? Through orifices. Okay. Disgusting word, but it's the truth. What's that? The period, the menstrual flow, it's an easy way for the body to eliminate heat. What will often happen is we will experience painful or irregular symptom or problematic periods, but the body nonetheless is ridding itself of this heat on a monthly basis. Now, what then happens when you hit the menopause is that, of course, that menstrual flow stops or it slows down, which means the capacity for the body to release heat through that function stops. Oh, well, I've still got this heat. Because we're still rushing around like headless chickens doing everything so what happens well the body's got to do something else instead oh i know i'll use the skin largest excretory organ of the body fantastic i'll just sweat it out instead so the body will do that, or it can store it into joints, joint pain, or it will push it internally into the bones. That's what creates dryness. That's Ultimately, the body is going to do something with this heat because it has to be stored away from the organs, which are keeping you alive. That's the first symptom. The second symptom that Chinese understands is that this nature of yin is held in the kidneys. This yin, which is our predominant energy, basically the kidneys are responsible for yin, yes, but also for the urinary system, for the reproductive system, for the aging process, for our fatigue for our memory, for our bones, hips, knees, hair, or hearing, tinnitus, all of this is housed in the kidneys. And if we're exhausting our kidneys by relentless stress response and basically this endless burning the candle at both ends, this overtaxation of our bodies, which is what's happened, then what then happens is when the reproductive organs stop producing the hormones, because that's largely down in the ovaries, the body naturally slows that production down because you no longer need to be reproductive. The lower level of hormone production that needs to happen moves to the kidneys. But in the meantime, your kidneys have had a 30-year legacy of complete meltdown and they're knackered and therefore they haven't got the ability to actually focus on creating these hormones as well as everything else you're asking them to do so this is why suddenly these bioidentical hormones become terribly useful because of course it saves the body having to do to do that but we need to strengthen our kidneys as well
1: when you say bioidentical you mean these are the one you don't mean normal body identical hormone replacement that the the, the nhs would prescribe
3: i won't commit myself Western medicine one way or the other because it's not my expertise. What I like to say is that women are finally, after 5,000 years, given the right to choose for themselves what they choose to do with their bodies. I'm not going to make anyone feel guilty or otherwise about their choice. What I advocate is no matter what it is that you're doing to address your menopause right now, please add in clearing heat and nurturing yin. So how do you do that with practices that you use? One is you do Gua Sha. Okay, that's this rounded-edged implement that I'm talking about. Now, again, it, you, yes, there's Hey You, there's products attached, but this is not Avon calling. I'm not here to peddle my wares. You can body guasha up with a jam jar lid. It's free. Most women have got some old oil kicking about their bathroom cabinet. So go and find it. Get it out. Olive oil. <laughs> Olive oil works. It's a bit smelly. I've tried that. I've even, I've even tried butter. <laughs> I've tried everything. Butter is a very yin substance. Go and get a jam and Give it a watch. And then press stroke over your chest, over your upper shoulders, over any painful joints, and it will come up red. That's the heat. Okay. Mm-hmm. And when you're suffering from, say, menopausal flushing, that tends to be the heat rises up up flushing up into the chest and start sweating get what's up the body is simply trying to get the heat out okay that's what it's doing you need to assist it purge and nourish is one of the fundamental axes of preventative health so and doing it before you go to bed at night is particularly helpful but often women present themselves with these hot flushes very much night sweats because Mm. the body you're finally at rest Okay, because we're rushing around all day, because that's the inevitability of a modern woman's life. So when you finally get to sleep at night, the body's got a minute to try and sort itself out and regulate. So of course it's going to sweat at night. Clearing heat is the first thing and nurturing yin is the other. And the way to nurture yin is not via diet. In Chinese medicine, dietary therapy is what we call the third of the immortal healers. There's eight in total. It is not the first or the second. The first is breath. The second is water. The third is diet. So... Before we all started buying expensive things, let's use something that's free, which is breath. Again, what I practice, um, and I practice what I preach, every day on the Instagram, we've got the lunchtime meditation, which is free, and it's then uploaded, so you can do it whenever. We do the morning Qigong class, which is allowing that breath to be stretched around the body, to strengthen the yin of the body via breathing and stretching, and it works. And it's thousands of years old. It's been tested on billions of people. I mean, it gets my vote.
2: (laughs) own menopause you're practicing all this all the time anyway so how did it go for you so what happened to me was that
3: I had premature ovarian failure Okay, so Mm -hmm. after I had the birth of my first child, I had my first baby when I was 31, which was very young by Western standards. Mm -hmm. And it didn't even occur to me that I had any problems in in that department at all. But actually I did. And it wasn't until I was trying for the second that I realised that actually I had no fertility at all. I wasn't perimenopausal. I was only 33. So after two rounds of IVF later and realising actually that that wasn't doing me any favours, I then had donor eggs and Mm -hmm. then of twins. Um, and then I was incredibly ill. Then I basically discovered Qigong and meditation and all this aspect, all sort of simultaneously. So what mm-hmm. I was advocating in practice and learning self-care, I was then experimenting kind of on myself and going, oh, what happens if I do this? What happens if I do that? And unbeknown to me, I was going through the perimenopause but didn't mm-hmm. realise because I was self-treating. So I then had no symptoms at all. Mm-hmm. Until one day I was sat on an aeroplane uh, going on holiday and I had that feeling. I was like, good God, I haven't had a period. And then, of course, I thought I was pregnant. (laughs) And then I suddenly thought, hang on a minute, I'm actually going through the early menopause Mm -hmm. and not a symptom at all. So therefore, in my particular case, practising what I preach has without question, I have had a zero menopause and I have... I hope, transcended into the wise elder mode of (laughs) matriarchy, where I can spend the rest of my life not worrying about getting pregnant and Mm. sprouting knowledge, which Mm -hmm. is, of course, the benevolence of the ageing process and something that women do extraordinarily well.
1: Do you visit the Western medicine at all, or are you purely looking after yourself via your Mm -hmm. own
3: knowledge? My opinion of Western medicine is it's absolutely amazing, and it saved my life twice. All my children are here because of the miracle of Western medicine. My father's alive because of Western medicine. I believe there's a place for both. If I needed to see a Western doctor, I'd go. I do everything the government's telling me to do in the middle of a COVID pandemic, but I also do everything that I know to be true and Mm. practice Eastern medicine alongside it. So the best thing you could possibly do for the NHS is not need it, because if you don't need it, then it means it's there for someone else that does. I inoculate my children. I would take a vaccine. We are in this amazing moment right now of Eastern and Western medicine. The reason we've got so lazy in self-care is because Western medicine is so incredible. We haven't had to think about it. We haven't had to bother. (laughs) Do you think your
1: immune system is super strong because of this? Because if you're reducing inflammation, then your system is free to fight infection, isn't it?
3: One of the techniques of the reason why Gua Shao is so amazing is it does strengthen the immune system. There's all sorts of studies out there that have shown that. It's a bit of a no-brainer to keep your immune system strong. And if there are opportunities there to do things to keep yourself strong, it's advisable. Now, talking of your products, because you do have this amazing
2: range of Gua Shao products, and also the Bamboo Tapper... which Lorraine and I have been tapping away and I think our husbands think we've gone gone mad. Trish in person. (laughs) (laughs) Can you just explain the bamboo tapper and what it does and why we should should all be doing it? Yeah, it's a
3: really amazing product actually because the first thing you notice when you pick it up is it's very light. Just for people listening, it's kind of lots
1: of... Pieces of bamboo with a holder that's about, I suppose, half a meter
3: long. Yes, about the length of, of your meter. arm, yes. roughly. The idea is Gua Sha means press, stroke, flush. Pai Sha, which is what tapping is, is exactly the same, but it means strike, flush. So instead of press stroking, you're striking. You're going tap, tap, mm-hmm. tap, tap, tap. And the reason why it's so good is that the idea of the Hey Yu Method is it's one minute to self-care. That's its mm-hmm. promise, okay? So... The thing about body gua sha is it's amazing, but it's not one minute. I mean, you can't go all over your body in a minute. That's a lie. Body gua sha is really good for specific targeted areas like joints or neck pain or hot flushing on the chest or that, that sort of stuff. It's specific, it's targeted. Pai sha means that you can tap all over your body in a minute and get basically a lighter version of the same benefits. You and do that every morning for a minute. Oh my goodness, yeah, it's so good for you. So the first thing that you notice if you do it is it's invigorating, okay? By striking the body... Even if you strike with your hand right now, just so. I'd- bang your tr- i'm just banging my chest you can immediately do it and, and the, the energy goes and so if you do the striking in the morning what's em- it doing now? Well, what what's it doing katie so i'm tapping away
1: what's yes. phys- happening inside me physiologically? it's invigorating the circulation is what it's doing so
3: blood is flowing quicker yeah it's moving circulation the thing is when you're looking at self-care there are three golden rules to looking after self-care so one the circulation needs to move freely around the body and everyone goes they all nod wise and go yeah yeah i know that thing yeah and yeah but our lives are sedentary No, 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 I go to the gym. Yeah, maybe once a day well we sit down all day don't we then what about the other 18 hours oh i'm sat at my desk right so the circulation is not moving freely it's it's getting stagnant now what's the second golden rule purge and nourish the body needs to detoxify oh yeah 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 i'm on a detox diet yeah really how much red wine are we drinking how many what are we thinking about what are our thoughts not judging (laughs) not judging and yet today our purging and nourishing is not necessarily as intense as it could be and then the other key point is to strengthen the five key organs what that striking is doing is it's invigorating invigorating the first two targets of self-care which is one invigorating the circulation and two assisting the body's detoxification processes you're allowing the lymphatic system to mop up anything that's kind of settling and getting stagnant as we're sitting and it's really uplifting I mean it gives you a beautiful uplifting sensation of energy which is having spent years in clinic most people are absolutely exhausted and very much lacking in energy and dragging themselves around particularly midlife women Absolutely.
2: Now, what would you say to anybody sceptical? A bit like Lorraine, perhaps. I'm ba-
1: about- sceptical
3: <laughs> of anything. You are sceptical of the or... beauty industry. Um, you know. <laughs> I too am sceptic. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the first thing to say about my range is that there is nothing in that range that I don't do on a daily basis. And there's mm-hmm. masses of stuff that I fiddled about with over the last 15 years, which will never see the light of day, which I got terribly excited about and then spent ages on and then, No, actually, it's not very good. I am already sceptic. And I also won't lie. Okay, there is mm-hmm. integrity to my brand. So I I will tell the truth to even at the point at which it detriments against my own products and go "Well, you can use a jam jam lid okay mm-hmm. it's not nice. you can use a porcelain soup spoon on mm-hmm. your skin rather than go off and buy a crystal but if jade
1: you... is a really big thing at the moment isn't it i can't yeah. tell you how many emails i get from prs about jade being a game changer for skin particularly but what is the the theory of, of jade Cause because this is really this is jade isn't it this... yes it is an cool. interesting it's really lovely yeah
3: thank you well it's very high quality jade that's the first thing yeah. to say. all beauty products there is a quality thing going on. Now, anyone can go and buy some rubbish, that mm. might even be glass, because it took me two years to find my supplier. What's the point of it? What it does, it's the balancing of the yin-yang axis of the body, which is what's so beautiful. The first thing you notice when you pick up good quality jade is it's cool to the touch. It's first, very cold, yeah. Very cold, right, because of, because of the crystalline structure of the product. But only good quality jade is cool to the touch. So that's the first thing. If you hold the jade crystal under or over your eye, for example, what you'll notice is that coolness. Oh, that's nice. Well, that is nice, yeah. Right, it's got an anti-inflammatory effect on the body. So it's really good in the beauty world for puffiness and kind of tired eyes first thing in the morning or from looking at screens. Now, the next thing you notice with good quality jade is that it starts to warm up from the the heat of your skin. So if say your skin is troubled, like say acne or rosacea, you can just hold the crystal because what happens is it starts to warm up from the heat of your skin, which it then draws out, which is good. And then the jade stone warms up and then starts to emit something called far infrared rays back into the skin. So that's the healing property. That's why it works so well. 2020 has been quite a big year for you with the launch of Hey You Fit and and the success
2: you've had through all your videos and everything, which is amazing. We're now 2021. What are you looking forward to in 2021?
3: We've got new product launches. And I think the thing that I love is that the message I've been saying, which is self-care, is so paramount to Mm -hmm. the health of this nation that people are actually taking that on board now. The key message that, that's so important to get out there is that preventative mm-hmm. health does not need to be expensive. It's free. The key mm-hmm. message is a message of hope. And if I can get that message out there to more and more people, then that will be a very happy year for me. Brilliant. Brilliant!
2: Thank you so much, Thank Katie. you very much, Katie. That that's was so really welcome. interesting. And, and we are having a lot of fun using your products. I'm sure going into 2021, everybody's going to be very inspired by your advice on self-care. Thank you. Thank, Thank you very so much it's dilemma time and this week we have one that every parent of a teen is going to encounter it's the spiky issue of piercings and also for older teens and young adults tattoos so what would you do Lorraine if one of yours came home with a bolt of metal in some (laughs) unexpected part of their anatomy or the
1: word mum tattooed on their bicep mine have got love and hate tattooed (laughs) on their their knuckles they haven't got (laughs) got that at all I'm telling lies they are however covered in tattoos my so my two uh, elders what am I talking about they're not covered in tattoos that's ridiculous (laughs) they are covered in piercings Mm -hmm. um which seems to be this generation's thing I mean they're Mm. either talking about it treating their piercings or getting Their piercings done. Um, We let our eldest, who's 18 now, have her ears pierced at 12. I know people have uh, done it younger. And I think she has multiple piercings in Mm. both ears. And my 16-year-old has her ears pierced, her nose pierced, and her belly button pierced. Mm. I felt that it was not something... To make a big fuss about, to take yeah. a stand on, because they can all be healed, and as long as they're looked after properly and they pay for them and they have it done in a place that you're comfortable. It's mm-hmm.
0: not, I mean, they, they don't
1: need to be accompanied in this country um, to have their piercings done. In Scotland, you have to be accompanied mm. if you're under 16. My son doesn't have any piercings, uh, he's 14. It really hasn't been a thing. The no. boys have asked about i think i'd feel very differently about tattoos i yeah. have a very tiny tattoo that's barely visible to the naked mm-hmm. eye on my foot and if you remember trish mm-hmm. i had my top of my ear what's that bit called pierced oh when I was yeah i can remember yes yes <laughs> you had to take it out <laughs> i swear to god it's the most painful oh. thing bar childbirth oh. that has ever happened to me oh. and I, I did have to take it out I yeah. think you just have to have a proper communication with them about yeah. it don't you and yeah. also to tell them what Will happen because we've been in AE twice with two of these. Piercings.
2: Oh, god, yes, I know. Esme had something done called a rook. I mean, I'm learning about all these bits of ear anatomy <laughs> that I've never heard of before, which is I can't even describe it. It's this sort of almost cartilagey bit inside the kind of ear shell almost, and that had to come out. It was excruciating and it was so, it was really awful. But yeah, like you, I think with that one, it was sort of a bit of a rite of passage, isn't it? Taking them for their first sort of ear piercing, the mum and daughter thing which is really nice but um on the the kind of place that the place that we go or she, i say we esme goes and a lot of reputable salons are like this they won't let them be unaccompanied yeah. under the age of 16 so although it's not the law as you said anybody can any yes. child can go and have a piercing obviously a reputable salon is not going to do that but literally the day after her 16th birthday she came back being all sort of coy and a bit straight a bit sort of and of course she had another big old horrible one done in a bit of cartilage so you know we can't control it and I think tattoos is is a slightly different yes. thing and I know we will probably struggle with that when it when and if it happens because I think you just have this feeling of you've created this perfect gorgeous gorgeous human and and they're yours and and it's their lovely body and somehow I don't know I feel that it would be sort of almost like maiming
1: themselves yes to have. That's- yeah skin that, touched in yeah that way. but that's
2: my internal dialogue externally it's going to be their decision they'll be an adult they will know what it is that they're going into I think and they will have to have thought through the consequences that it's there forever and I think it's that thing we you know we love we have to love our children unconditionally and you have to see mm. them beyond the tattoos and the piercings and love them for who they are and if that's what they've got to do. That's what they've got to do. And you're not going to help. Well, I situation think so, but I, I think about it.
1: <laughs> with tattoos, I think I would be much firmer. I mm. have a friend who has um, a tattoo from the top of her neck down to the back of her ankle, basically. Ooh, it's a, that's a long koi one. carp. It's a massive tattoo across her yes. whole body. She's an amazing woman. I asked her to talk to the girls when it was briefly mentioned mm-hmm. and to show, so she's around the same age as me 51 I think now and I think just to really set in their mind how Mm -hmm. permanent It was, Mm -hmm. how forever. And she showed them a couple of ones. She said, I maybe would have had that done differently, but obviously can't do anything about it now. And I also had a friend who had all her tattoos on her arm removed. She had Mm -hmm. her grandfather's name and everything all down her arm. Mm -hmm. She had it done as a teenager. And I talked to them about that, just saying how extraordinarily painful it is having tattoos removed Mm and when situations changed. I don't know. I think we had a bit of a communication about tattoos that maybe... Mm -hmm. If they do, they do, don't they? That's, what, as you yeah. say, unconditional love, but it is forever.
2: It is forever. So I think your point about getting someone who's had them to talk to them about it, at grown-up, yes. is a really, really good yeah, idea to show them.
1: Absolutely. I think that's very good advice. Trish, shall we tell everyone how we're winning at midlife this week?
2: Yes, indeed. Well, we thought it would be a good time being the beginning of the year, positive thinking and all that to really take control of our health and make sure we're doing all the checks and tests that are going to keep us fighting fit as we head through our 40s, 50s and beyond. So we've got some great advice from health journalist Anna McGee, as well as Dr. Louise Wiseman, who is the author of Your Best Life, A Doctor's Secret Guide to Radiant Health Over 40. Please remember, though, while this is advice, please do, consult your gp if anything here is sort of ringing a bell for you or you have concerns about so do go and check with your gp first
1: yes because we are not medical experts Mm. and also it goes without saying that we do recommend the first thing you do in midlife probably when you hit 40 is check your feelings your well-being against the perimenopause symptoms list because there are many many symptoms of perimenopause. Dr Louise Newson who we interviewed in series two has a great list on her free website. Um, You can also talk to your GP then in a very informed way around your mental health and general mood once you know whether you have any perimenopause symptoms. So winning at midlife let's have a look at uh, Anna's first piece of advice and she says make sure that you get the health check that everyone's entitled to when they hit 40 with their GP. So you can make an appointment to get Mm -hmm. that check done. Have you done that check, Fish? I have,
2: you know, and actually I didn't understand the point of it, but but now I know what Anna says, which you're going to about to. I do understand the
1: point, so (laughs) I think you should explain. Definitely. So it seems pretty basic because it's cholesterol, blood sugar, kidney function and blood pressure, but it's designed to spot the early signs of kidney disease, diabetes and your risk of a stroke. And according to Dr. Wiseman, blood pressure control in our 30s onwards may help prevent dementia later in life
2: the second thing we should all be doing which has been drilled into us often enough but it's so easy to overlook in the kind of hecticness of daily life is is checking your breasts so dr wiseman says that we should always be breast and body aware in general which includes your vulva urine and bowel habits as well because these are sort of essential it's an essential part of self-care really and with screening and early diagnosis prospects for recovery and survival are far greater if a disease is caught early so any excessive bleeding or pink discharge after menopause should always be checked out too and any bloating that doesn't go away you could go and ask your doctor for a a blood test i think it's called a ca125 to rule out anything sinister
1: Yes. And Anna McGee, the health journalist, also adds that if you have lumpy breasts, ask your doctor for an ultrasound rather than or as well as a mammogram, because mammograms can be very painful if you have a dense breast tissue. Um, And according to Anna, ultrasound is much more pleasant and spots where the cysts are and what might be questionable right Mm -hmm. away. Mm-hmm.
2: Next on the list is a DEXA bone scan, which checks your bone density. And this is it's usually only available on the NHS, actually, if you have a family history of osteoporosis. But it's worth having one done privately once you've hit the menopause as the decline of estrogen is a key factor in your bone density. And it's symptomless. Um, so you won't know that you have osteoporosis until you break a bone, So, which is not an ideal situation. It's a bit of a silent epidemic, really. I actually had one done and it cost about 65 pounds and it showed that i do have osteopenia which is the precursor to osteoporosis so i'm following kind of all the lifestyle suggestions like weight-bearing exercise taking calcium supplements um, because apparently we can't lay down new bone after the age of 35 which i did not know but we can help preserve what we have left so that's really important
1: and if you have a look at Meg Matthews' website, because she has osteoporosis and her mum had it very severely, and she'd made a lot of changes to her lifestyle and she's free of it. Now, this brings us to vitamin D. So you need this and you need to take it to absorb calcium. Dr. Wiseman says that it's known to be essential for many other bodily processes. So immunity, our mood, energy, bones, teeth, muscles, and even hair rely on vitamin D. A lot of people in the UK will be deficient because there's just not enough sunlight. To mm. make vitamin D um, for half the year, and also if you're overweight, you may be at risk as vitamin D can be absorbed into fat beneath the skin, and then it's not used by the rest of the body, according to Dr. Wiseman.
2: Mm. And finally, it's uh, booking a skin check with a dermatologist, which really can be a lifesaver, says Dr. Wiseman. I try and take a photo of my back every year. I get Neil to look at it, and I also take a photo of you're my aware back for that. <laughs> one of your oh, strapless gowns one of my strapless ball gowns maybe of your ball my halter neck my halter neck yes so <number. laughs> so um I don't like looking when it pops up on my phone camera, but it's really useful because if you do spot anything different yes. or you, you know, you, you can sort of bring it to the doctor and you can show the doctor. Um, but that is another one that, you know, nothing beats a top to toe sort of annual check with an experienced dermatologist. If you uh, want to do that, which is good. So I think those are
1: all things that we're going to try and do this year. If we haven't done them already. Those are the five midlife health checks you should all be doing for 2021. Tick them off, put them on your list. <laughs> Lorraine, I'm I'm very excited about your nostalgia noodle today. Yes, so you should be. It's very exciting. <laughs> so my um, children have done a PowerPoint presentation on why we should get a tortoise. A PowerPoint presentation. Yeah. Right. So I've been looking for lots of reasons for why we should not get a tortoise because the main one is obviously that they live for a they million years. And when all my children up. have left home, it would just be me and the tortoise going into the old people's home. Anyway, so I, it made me think about my favourite tortoise. Do you know my favourite tortoise? No, give me a clue. I'm telling you now, Frida. Mm. The Blue, oh, Peter, Blue tortoise. Peter Tortoise. Oh, Blue Peter Do you remember her? Oh, Frida, yes. So I remember Frida because she died in 1979 when I was 11 and was a big Blue Peter fan. Mm. They got her in 1963. Um, and when they first got her, it was, they called it Fred, Fred the Tortoise. Oh, and it wasn't it,
3: until about a year later
1: ago. that a viewer said, that's, that's, a, that's a girl tortoise. Maybe changed her hair or something. Yeah. Anyway. So 1963 to 1979, Frida, and then they got Maggie and Jim in the election. Yes. Um, do you remember Jim Callahan,
2: man? Yes. Sure.
1: Yeah. See, double tortoise situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then their most recent tortoise was called Shelley, who retired in twenty nineteen after fifteen years. Oh. So they
2: they retire oh. from
1: the show then because I don't know, just throw them over the head <laughs> Blue Peter garden. Peter didn't last very long, did she? <laughs> no. <laughs> Poor fellow. <laughs> do you know you have to put tortoise in the fridge, apparently, when they um, hibernate. So I looked at all the blue peter pets. Oh. it's literally half an hour of my life I won't get back but I love Petra do you remember Petra the yes
2: first? the oh. dogs yes Shep. yeah they the were parrots the, yeah the
1: worst behaved pet what were the worst it, was it
2: the pet? well the well they had the cats elephant trish. that came on. oh the cats yeah, yeah
1: of course Jack and Jill
2: they do you remember the, ele- across the, stage. the elephant that came on and pooped all over the, the yeah. studio that was quite good <laughs>
1: today oh. they've got a beagle called Henry. Which
3: oh, is that sounds nice, doesn't it? But Very I will good. not
1: be getting a tortoise, despite my no. nostalgia noodle, because we once rescued a hamster, which we called Walter White from Breaking Bad, and it became this terrible, giant, cancerous hamster that I oh. looked after on my own. It's really, really quite aggressive. <laughs> quite, quite traumatic. I'm yes. not getting a tortoise.
2: No, no. You heard no. it here
1: first, kids. I am not getting a tortoise. Where have you been with your nostalgia well, noodle? Well,
2: I've been... Uh, Thinking about New Year's Eve because obviously you didn't have one. <laughs> <laughs> this year and actually I don't really have a lot of New Year's Eves these days but do you remember it used to be such a big massive thing. massive massive and it was all about the house party wasn't it and actually the, the the one I'm actually thinking about isn't an actual party that I went to it's it's a film Party Party do you remember Party Party no do you know what it's a bit of a cult thing that some people oh. it, when you know it you're like
1: oh my god I love that
2: film but if you don't know it you really need to go what and download happened? it well it's just so funny it's this kind of it's about a New Year's Party in this guy's house. His parents have gone to a, a New Year's Eve soirée at the vicarage, and he just he calls all his mates and gets them all round for a party. And it's this this drunk, mad kind of. But it's got an amazing soundtrack of like um, David Bowie and uh, X Ray Specs and really really cool music. And and it's all these actors. When you see them, you'll go, Oh, I know them because they're all the sort of people who went up in this party? Holby City, nineteen eighty three. I highly Recommended wow. and and Caroline Quentin was in it, oh. um, and she was just brilliant. She plays Shirley, who is just so desperate to get off with someone. Do you remember getting off, getting, <laughs> getting off, off. <laughs> I'm gonna get off with him? She was desperate to get off, and uh and uh, you know, so that's one of the kind of storylines. Anyway, it is the best New Year's Eve party ever. So it made you, you feel like it, you had one, did it? It do. It <laughs> does, and I I did
1: watch it over New Year, and it really chewed me up. Brilliant that brings us to the end of this episode of postcards from midlife thank you so much for listening and if you enjoyed it please tell your friends and all the midlife women you know and remember to subscribe on your podcast provider and rate and review us too
2: and don't forget to join us on our facebook group on instagram or email us at hello at postcards from midlife.com
0: goodbye